1: And you can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also, give them a call, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Michael Cannon. He's the Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Dr. Kendrick Johnson is a family physician and founder of Arc Family Health Direct Primary Care and will visit with Jim Roberts from the Heritage Foundation about what's happening on the border. It is August th- 13th, Friday the 13th, and on this day in 1981 at his California home in Rancho del Cielo, Ronald Reagan signed the Economic Recovery Tax Act, or the ERDA a package of tax and budget reductions that set the tone for his administration's trickle-down economic policy. During his campaign for the White House in 1980, Reagan argued on behalf of supply-side economics, the theory of using tax cuts as incentives for individuals and businesses to work and produce goods, supply, rather than as an incentive for consumers to buy goods, demand. In Congress, Representative Jack Kemp, Republican from New York, and Senator Bill Roth, Republican from Delaware had long supported the supply-side principles behind the IRTA, which would also be the known as the Kemp-Roth Act. The bill which <clears throat> received part- bipartisan support in Congress represented a significant change in the course of federal income tax policy, which until then was believed to be by most people to work best when used to affect demand during times of recession. The ERTA included a 25% reduction of marginal tax rates for individuals Phased in over three years and indexed for inflation from that point on, the marginal tax rate on the, the tax rate for the last dollar earned was considered most important to uh, economic activity, the average tax rate, total tax paid as a percentage of income earned, as affected in income earned through extra activities such as education, entrepreneurship, or uh, investment. In other words, uh, uh, the tax rate grows as you earn more income. So the Marginal rate at the top is the one that really counts for most people when they think about their personal circumstances. Reducing marginal tax rates, the theory went, would help the economy grow faster through such uh, extra efforts by individuals and businesses. The 1981 Act, combined with another major tax reform act in 1986, cut marginal tax rates on high-income taxpayers from 70%, if you can believe that, to around 30%, and would be de- the defining economic legacy of the uh, Reagan's presidency. Reagan's tax cuts were designed to put maximum emphasis on encouraging innovation and entrepreneurship and creating incentives for the development of venture capital and greater investment in human capital through training and education. The cuts particularly benefited idea industries such as software or financial services. Fittingly, Reagan's first term saw the advent of information revolutions including IBM's introduction of its first personal computer and the rise or launch of such tech companies as Intel Microsoft, Dell, Sun Microsystems, Compaq, and Cisco Systems. Economists have argued that to what degree Reagan's economic policy drove the boom in the 1990s, but his tax program undoubtedly set in motion powerful forces of change that would result in both short and long term economic gains. On the other hand, critics of so called Reaganomics, they called it voodoo economics, pointed out that his tax cuts and the effects of steady economic growth disproportionately benefited the wealthy and vastly increased the gap between the nations, rich and poor. That's, of course, called (laughs) envy economics. So, clearly, that proved to be working very well, worked under Trump. Of course, uh, Biden right now wants to take it in the opposite direction, and we've got a couple of tax laws we'll be talking about here in just a little bit that could do just that, to take it in the opposite direction. So we're concerned about Fred, uh, the Tropical storm, it's around Cuba right now and headed our way with about 40 uh, mile an hour winds and a lot of rain. It's uncertain if it will hit us, <clears throat> but it could strengthen and uh, there would be lots of wind, rain and thunderstorms this weekend. Looks like a good weekend to break out the Monopoly game and just turtle. <clears throat> Governor Ron DeSantis announced on uh, yesterday that he is launching a rapid response team to dispense monoclonal antibodies to tackle Florida's rising number of COVID-19 cases and reduce serious symptoms, preventing the potential for hospital overcrowding. This is probably the best thing we can do to reduce the number of people that require hospitalization, to Santa said in a news conference at Jacksonville, adding that vaccines were strongly encouraged and were effective at preventing hospitalizations and deaths by at least 70 percent. Clear benefits to these early treatment is keeping people out of the hospital and reducing mortality, he said. The noted that experimental monoclonal clonal antibodies developed by Re- Regeneron Pharmaceuticals would be used, uh, or used by President Donald Trump after he contracted the uh, virus, which caused COVID-19 in, in October 2020. Trump recovered in a matter of days. A study released in April showed that uh, Regeneron's antibody cocktail helped people recover faster after falling ill and was given in early stages could prevent people from becoming sick with the virus. Monoclonal antibody treatment is not well known, according to the governor, because it's received federal emergency use authorization around the same time as the vaccines were being approved and that the focus rightfully was on vaccines at the time. Well, I have my questions about that. I'd prefer the therapeutics, but he said he felt that it was important to utilize this treatment alongside vaccines and it was in his opinion the most effective yet for people who have already been affected. To find locations about, uh, to receive monoclonal antibody treatments from around, from the entire state there's a website uh, to find information it's called Florida Health COVID-19 all one word floridahealthcovid19.gov is the website worth checking out. Well, producer prices accelerated at the fastest annual rate on record in July as supply chain disruptions and material shortages continued to put upward pressure on costs. the Producer price index for the final demand increased at a 7.8% pace for the 12 months ending in July, according to the Labor Department. The July print was faster than the 73 pace in June and ahead of the 73 rate that analysts surveyed by, uh, that were expecting. The reading was the strongest since record-keeping began in 2010. Core producer prices, which exclude food and energy, rose 1% in July. That's like a 12% pace. Double the 05 gain that was expected. Core prices climbed 6.2% annually compared to 56 increase that was forecast. In other words, inflation, uh, even though uh Biden says it's transitory. It doesn't look so transitory to me, especially when you're talking about the uh, initial part of the supply chain. Prices are going up so much. That's going to be passed on to the consumer. Well, senior U.S. officials made a surprise visit to Mexico Tuesday to discuss bilateral cooperation on reducing illegal migrants crossing into the United States in record numbers. Notably missing from the trip was Vice President Kamala Harris charged by President Joe Biden, to work with Mexico and Central America on addressing root causes driving migrants from Central America's Northern Triangle, uh, countries of Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras, to make the dangerous journey to the United States illegally. The White House did not provide a readout of the meeting until a day after the event. Americans and the rest of the world learned of the high-level event from social media posts by the Mexican foreign ministry highlighting the event as it was occurring. Biden's National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas led the delegation to meet with President André Ma- Manuel López Abrador, uh, former, uh, former uh, Secretary Marce- Marcelo Elbrand, and Attorney General Gertz, among other officials. The delegation agreed to expand cooperation in order to manage orderly, safe, and regular migration flows With respect to the human rights of migrants and asylum seekers, the Mexican foreign government declared in a statement following the meeting. uh, The White House added, Official underscored the importance of fostering development in southern Mexico and Central America to address the root causes of irregular migration. Hey, look, these folks, they just want to come to the United States because... The the idea, of course, people that are here are sending money back home. Of course, that's one thing that happens. So they must think that it's must absolutely uh, nirvana here. But the second is thing they see the American dream here. They want to come here for opportunity. So that's that's what that's stop looking at the root causes and stop people crossing the border. That's the way to do that. By the way, Republican Governor uh, Greg Abbott is showing Joe Biden why you don't mess with Texas. The Biden administration sued Texas in an effort to block an executive order from Abbott that allowed state troopers to cross vehicles to stop vehicles suspected of carrying illegal immigrants on the grounds that they may be spreading COVID-19. In the letter, Abbott Attorney General Merrick Garland to Merrick Garland threatened that the order was dangerous and contrary to federal law. He responded to Garland with a fire and fury. The Biden administration has created a constitutional crisis between the federal government and the state of Texas, Abbott said, this stems from Biden's administration to refuse to enforce immigration laws and allow illegal immigrants with COVID-19 to enter our country. i tell you, Abbott's letter is just really piercing and important. And uh, see how this all turns out. But uh, hopefully, Abbott will be able to sustain some sort of a, a blockade for people coming here illegally until the wall is completed. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with you William Yatman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs>
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show, here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting
1: Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Diner Diner's a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music, a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8am until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulaby's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time.
0: back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host,
1: Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best in building, building a performing arts center, 44,000 square feet in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Kendrick Johnson, Right now we have with us William Yatman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me on, Bob.
1: Always a pleasure, William. Tell us about the Cato Institute.
2: You bet. Uh, we're a think tank here in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government.
1: Cato.org is the website. So, William, <clears throat> looks like we're getting close to the... <laughs> <laughs> to the end here, with regard to the infrastructure package, which you and I have been discussing for I think about the last three months, uh, any update well,
2: indeed, the uh, so the big news this week was on Wednesday, the Senate passing the infrastructure investment and jobs act. Uh, this is the fruits of these bipartisan negotiations between a a group of twenty one senators from the White House over the last three months, as we've been discussing. Um, The the bill, $1.2 trillion worth of spending, $700 billion of that spending is locked in. That's part of the periodic highway reauthorization process, so that's not new spending. Um, About $550 billion is new spending, and and that goes to uh, roads, to broadband, and the grid, the electric grid primarily. Uh, The new spending is funded by various budget gimmicks. Um, it's uh, the bill's authors claim it would be deficit neutral. That is uh, not true. It would add anywhere from 250 billion to 400 billion dollars to the deficit over wow. the next decade. Um, notwithstanding these deficit implications, the the bill garnered support from 19 Republicans. It passed the Senate overwhelmingly, 69 to 30. Um, so that's where things stand with respect to that prong of the infrastructure package
1: so we also had this three point five trillion dollar package that's being promoted by the house did the senate take that up
2: oh uh, very much so so you mentioned so uh... that is linked to, to the bill i was just speaking about this three point five trillion dollar measure uh, uh... the larger the three point five trillion dollar measure democrat uh... leadership in congress plans to pass that a partisan fashion without any republican support Um, As we've discussed before, it's got everything under the sun. Every progressive uh, wish, uh, imaginable free college, free health care, green energy production quotas, you name it. Um, uh, The Senate actually took the first uh, procedural steps towards uh, moving this giant $3.5 trillion package um, only hours after passing um, the $1.2 trillion package. It is... uh, Cautiously optimistic um, at this point uh, regarding, uh, as I've noted before, I'm with Senator Ron Johnson here. Uh, I don't think we need any new spending on infrastructure. I mean, Congress just spent 5.5 trillion dollars on on various stimuli um, for the pandemic, and we've got 700 billion dollars coming down the pike. That seems sufficient. Um, so that said, there is some serious infighting in the Democrat caucus, mm-hmm. both the House and the Senate that seems to jeopardize the chances of both these bills. Um, And and to the point, uh, the progressives. So there's a hundred-member progressive caucus in the House, and they've said, we will not vote for the $1.2 trillion measure unless we get a vote on the $3.5 trillion measure. So they say that they've got to be linked. Um, But we've got uh, six centrists in the House, six moderates. The Blue Dog Coalition, they've come out and said, Hey, wait a second, we're willing to gum up the process for this three point five trillion dollar measure um unless we get a vote up front on the one point two trillion dollar measure. So it, I know that sounded complicated, but mm-hmm. the upshot is we've got ourselves a bit of a standoff um, where moderates and progressives sort of uh, have mutually exclusive goals when it comes to these two infrastructure packages. And I've got my fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, that they will negate one another and ultimately sink the whole kick the caboodle.
1: Yeah, and to complicate the issue, of course, Joe Manchin and uh, Kirsten Cinema have said that they won't vite, uh, vote for the $3.5 million uh, package because it's not bipartisan, as I understand their position. So uh, they would <clears throat> rather see. Uh <clears throat> so that means that if that goes down, and then Nancy Pelosi says. Uh, I won't bring the three, the $1.2 trillion package to the floor unless uh, we pass the $3.5 trillion package first. Now, I said I could be just uh, brinksmanship, but uh, it gets very complicated.
2: It does indeed. I, I would just clarify one point about Manchin and Sinema. They are sticklers for bipartisanship. Um, however, their opposition to this $3.5 trillion package, or at least on the record so far, has been the price tag a um, uh, 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 mansion voiced quote unquote serious concerns mm-hmm. with the inflationary impact of of, of this uh, proposed measure so it is it, it is in part his uh he prefers a bipartisan path with all legislation but it's also in part and to his credit a, a common sense uh, uh uh a sticker shock
1: yeah no i just really appreciate both of them really for their positions. And then further complicate things, we've got uh, we've got extraordinary measures in place right now for spending because right now the uh, the House and the Senate need to face this whole spending issue, the uh, spending limit issue, or, or debt li- uh, issue.
2: Indeed, and this is perhaps the most bizarre, shocking aspect of everything, um, and that is at the end of last month. We went through uh, this the, the country congress uh, our our debt ceiling, so we we went past twenty eight trillion dollars in allowable debt um in the weeks since we've gone through you know what is a serious limit what is a big deal? Um, the Senate just passed five hundred and fifty billion dollars of new spending with nineteen uh, Republican senators on board yeah um, and indeed they're moving forward with three point five trillion dollars worth of spending so it is. There is a uh, of which I should add 1.2 trillion of this of of the the 3.5 trillion dollar package is mostly funded by tax increases, but 1.2 trillion is going to be deficit spending. So that's 1.7 trillion dollars worth of deficit spending that the Senate and the House are moving forward on, or at least a Democrat leadership are, despite the fact that we just crossed the debt threshold. Uh, You know, so it's just a, a remarkable context. In which they're full steam ahead with these, uh, you know, trillion dollar bills, um, despite the fact that officially um, we've already maxed out our credit
1: card. Exactly, and as I understand it, uh, Mitch McConnell said that he's not going to bring the 3.5 trillion dollar package to the floor, uh, or, or he, if they in fact do bring that to the floor or pass it, he's not going to increase vote to increase the debt ceiling.
2: Well I'm, normally I'm a fan of McConnell but I'm not sure if he has a leg to stand on here mm. um, you know the fact is he was one of the 19 GOP senators that just voted for 550 billion dollars worth of new spending yeah. now, again this vote took place 13 days after we exceeded the debt limit um so uh, whereas I I wholly support him playing hardball with a debt ceiling limit when it comes to parliamentary strategy um, I also bemoan the fact that he just supported, he just, you know, in essence participated in the trial, yeah. um, notwithstanding our current situation.
1: So this is not going to be, they're on recess right now, right? So they're not going to be do- dealing with this in, for another couple of weeks.
2: Indeed. So Senate just went on, on recess. Uh, Pelosi, uh, as part of one of these pr- procedural uh, hoops that they must jump through for this reconciliation process for the $3.5 trillion measure. Pelosi is likely to call back the House in a a week and a half, August 22nd, August 23rd, um, to to pass a vote along those lines. Uh, Again, that's merely a procedural hoop that they have to do to get to the ultimate bill, which would come down in September.
1: Making sausage. (laughs) It's (laughs) an amazing process. Again, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, C-A-T-O dot org. William, really appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me
1: on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Back to the Bob Harden Show, and now here's your host, Bob
1: Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app by going to ChoiceSocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Kendrick Johnson. Right now, we have with us Michael Cannon, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be
3: here.
1: Michael, are you there?
3: I am. Are you able to hear me, Bob?
1: I am just a little muffled at all. Maybe move closer to the window. <laughs> so
3: I <laughs> will do that. All right. I was by the wrong window, I think.
1: Yeah, so Michael, uh, you know, right now we're watching lots of mutations and changes with regard to COVID-19. Uh, what are your thoughts?
3: So the disease is following a, a, a concerning progression. You know, we're not Uh, stamping it out as rapidly as we could if we had more people vaccinated. And so we're seeing uh, more variants, including the Delta variant, which is infecting a lot of people who have been vaccinated. Fortunately, the data still indicate that getting vaccinated makes it much less likely that you're going to develop severe disease or end up in a hospital. And so the vaccines are still showing tremendous benefit. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people aren't vaccinated yet. A lot of people are hesitant to vaccinate. And so the where Delta is really doing a lot of damage is among the unvaccinated population.
1: Mm. So uh, I mentioned earlier in the show that uh, Governor DeSantis has approved the release, an uh, t- uh, emergency task force for uh, making available Regeneron. This is the uh, this is the antibody cocktail that was given to President Donald Trump, which he, he recovered just a few days from this. And this and is not an effort for people who contract COVID-19 to reduce the symptoms uh, or the distress from COVID-19 and keep them out of the hospital. Uh, do you know anything about Regeneron?
3: Uh, I'm not intimately familiar with it, no. But we've talked a little bit before about developing treatments, and that would be wonderful if we can use them to keep people out of the hospitals. Uh, reduce the number of people in hospitals who end up in ICU and on uh, ventilators. Uh, Still, our most effective intervention in here is the vaccines. It can uh, reduce the uh, severity of the, the disease among almost all recipients. It can reduce transmission of the disease as well, even though it's pretty clear that the At least with the Delta variant, a lot of people who have been vaccinated are getting the disease. They have a viral load. They can shed it, and that means they can transmit it. But but it does appear that their viral loads are less, and they are less likely to transmit as well.
1: Yeah. You know, I am uh, one of the uh, vaccine-hesitant, and my concern is that, uh, uh, you know, right now, Dr. Fauci is recommending that there be a a follow-up injection, a booster, I guess is what he's calling it. And my concern would be that it will be one booster after another. Is, uh, perhaps it lowers our ability to fight the disease rather than, than enhance it. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of unknowns. I'm, what I'd like to see the, uh, the uh, uh, health organizations, the CDC, say, for example, is that, look, let's all take care of our immune systems. Let's take plenty of vitamin D. Let's take uh, zinc. Let's uh, make sure we get plenty of sleep. Uh, you know, in other words, there's things that we can do to enhance our immune system to fight the disease without medicine.
3: There may be, but the immune system works by recognizing pathogens that have uh, that it has seen before uh, uh, and, well, it, it, it works by identifying pathogens. Building up defenses against them, and then recognizing them again when they enter into the body, so that it can destroy them. Yeah. And zinc and rest are not going to do nearly as good a job of that as uh, a vaccine that trains your body to develop specific antibodies to uh, to to defeat uh, a, a live virus if if it if and when it enters your body. Yeah. So uh, th- so you you mentioned that you are hesitant. Does that mean you have not vaccinated? That's
1: cor- that's correct
3: okay um you know that concerns me. I would hate for you to get a really uh, i hate for you to contract this because given your age uh you're you're one of the high risk populations uh I hope that you are taking care uh to avoid this you know uh to avoid getting uh contracting covid nineteen uh I do think that's something you know i don't I, I don't i don't give i don't make other people's medical decisions for them right. But uh, but I do hope that's something you'll seriously
1: consider. Yeah, no. Because uh, I
3: this, you, this world needs you in it, Bob.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Well, I don't have any plans on leaving it. I am, I'm not being cavalier about it, believe me. But I do have concerns about taking the vaccine. And it's primarily because in, in my close circle, I've seen some pretty... Uh, bad reactions to the vaccine, uh, everything from stents in the leg to strokes, and you you name it. But uh, and and death actually. So, so uh, you, you can't say that these things are absolutely you know causal, but uh, it is of concern for sure. So uh, you know I, I I'm just going to take care of my health and do the best I can to to make sure that my immune system is strong, that I'm getting plenty of sleep, I'm you know, eating the right foods, and uh, take it from there. Are you there, Michael? I
3: am. I am.
1: You're just thinking about it. <laughs> well, nevertheless, I'm not alone. In fact, as I understand it, something like 40% of healthcare workers have not been vaccinated. Uh, a, large, a large percentage of well, others that have been vaccinated. I think there's a large percentage of people that do not plan on getting vaccinated because of uh, their concerns, like mine.
3: And that is that it's everyone's right to make that decision.
1: Yeah. Uh, and p-
3: part of the calculus is that if you do contract the virus, there's a long incubation period where you could be uh, reproducing uh, the virus in your upper respiratory uh, tract. You could be shedding it and... Uh, and spreading it to others who may end up with a uh, a more severe case of COVID nineteen than you end up getting. So, right. uh, as much as people like to portray this as a matter of individual medical choice, there is that component of it. But there's also this other component uh, where the decision that you make is going to affect other people. Yeah. And so that's and and we've talked before about how uh, no one knows what the optimal level of, uh, of of protection is here and, or the 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 best way to protect but I what the evidence uh, points to uh, the evidence i've seen suggests is that the vaccines uh, both protect your health and protect and prevent you from being a threat to other people's health
1: See, I saw that argument would be persuasive to me, except for the fact that people who have been vaccinated also can spread the uh, vac- the uh, virus as well.
3: Uh, well, they have, but there are data that suggests that they are less likely to, uh, to transmit the vaccine. Now, if they, if they were uh, equally likely to transmit, uh, not the va- vaccine, but the virus, yeah. if they were equally likely to transmit the virus, well, then there wouldn't be much of a public health argument for the vaccine because uh, public health is about how your defi- your decisions affect other people. Right. Uh, if the, the effect of COVID-19 on you is a personal health decision, not a public health decision. Right. And if that's the only benefit from the vaccine, then it is not a public health uh, question. It is a personal health question. Uh, and uh, and so I might say, Bob, I want you to get vaccinated because I, the world is a better place with you in it. But I would not be able to make the argument that y- you should get vaccinated in order to help other people yeah. um, uh, uh, avoid uh, contracting the illness. Uh, but but there do appear to be data that that show that the viral loads among the vaccinated are lower.
1: Yeah, Mike, It's uh, Michael, it's a it's a complicated issue, and certainly there's a lot of people on both sides of the issue, but nevertheless, uh, and I think part of the problem, of course, is the information has been so muddled and inconsistent coming from the CDC and other health officials. So, yeah, But I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show and sharing this information with us, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, Bob. All right, Take care. thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Kendrick Johnson, family physician and founder of ARC Family Health Director primary care. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on bobharden.com. The link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889. That's 598-3889. Or send an email to bobharden at hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598 3889 Send me an email to bobharden@hotmail.com. at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim Roberts from the Heritage Foundation. Right now we have with us Dr. Kendrick Johnson. He's a family physician and founder of Arc Family Health Direct Primary Care. Dr. Johnson, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
4: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Dr. Johnson, tell us about uh, Arc Family Health Direct Primary Care.
4: Well, Ark Family Health is uh, is one of the 1,500 to 2,000 direct primary care offices across the country that provide primary care to its members um, on a membership basis, so they pay a monthly fee, uh, usually between $50 and $100 a month, so affordable for most people, and that includes all of your primary care services and as, as much of it as you need, so you can Uh, come see the doctor and um, and get taken care of for eighty to ninety percent of your health care needs, and uh, and it's all included. There's no copays or extra fees that are included with that.
1: So interesting. I've I've heard of this concept before. Uh, What are the benefits of this versus going through the insurance company and uh, uh, you know operating in the normal way of uh, dealing with in health care?
4: (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, I appreciate you calling me abnormal. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, it is different um, than what most people are used to today, but it's it's not a new concept. Mm-hmm. People have been paying uh, doctors on a retainer basis for hundreds of years, but it's uh, it's gone away with the insurance based system, and and the major reason that you uh, would benefit from having a a relationship with a doctor like this is because it shifts the incentives in the whole relationship. You know, with the insurance-based healthcare system, most doctors are employed by hospital companies, and most of those companies own primary care offices for the specific purpose to funnel patients to the emergency rooms and hospital beds and operating rooms Mm. and uh, in in this relationship where you pay your doctor directly you are uh, are paying for the best advice possible and uh, your doctor has an incentive to keep you well because he wants you to to uh, be as as healthy as possible, and and not take up too many resources, mm-hmm. so it it changes incentives around, and, and I think is is really the only way to ensure you get the best advice out there.
1: Plus, I imagine dealing with all the insurance forms, insurance companies, and all, uh, just it uh, takes a lot of time. This probably reduces uh, the amount of uh, or increases the time that you can spend with patients.
4: Yeah, my average office visit is 45 minutes to an hour. Wow. And uh, we also make ourselves available by email and text and video calls. So patients get access to us in a lot of different ways, and they, they get to see us when they need us, same-day, next-day appointments for every urgent need. And um, so they don't have to wait weeks to get in to see the doctor, and, and uh they also just get more time when they do see us.
1: Do you have a website, or is there a website where we could uh, check out to find out more?
4: Yeah, you can go to arcfamilyhealth.com to learn more about it.
1: Arcfamilyhealth.com. Uh, Doctor, you wrote a, a column, healthcare Laws Should Come With Black Box Warnings. I found it very fascinating. Maybe you could tell us about it.
4: Sure. This is something that uh, has has been on my mind for a while. Is uh, the correlation between the complexity of the healthcare system and the complexity of the human body? You know, when we give drugs to humans, we acknowledge that each of those chemicals has the potential to do some good and some bad. Right. And uh, of course, we've we've thought a lot about that in relation to uh, drugs and and vaccines associated with COVID-19 and and every time we do something in medicine where we alter the body's chemistry we have the potential to do good and bad and and though we try and and put drugs in a category as either good drugs or bad drugs the reality is that they all they, they all have some potential for for causing harm. Mm -hmm. And we're just weighing the percentage risk of how likely is it to cause harm versus cause good. And one example that I use in the article is that uh, as as an ER physician, when people came in to see me and they were really sick with a, a whole body infection called sepsis, I would give them a a drug called vancomycin Mm -hmm. which is a is a powerful antibiotic and now people really like when i when i tell them they're getting the most powerful drug but uh, the reality is when you use a powerful drug you usually have more powerful side effects as well and vancomycin has a profound effect on the kidneys it has a ability to completely wipe out your kidney function, and mm. some cases, uh, totally uh, give you total kidney damage. So, when we, when we give it, we're only giving it because it's the last result. It's the last, mm. it's, it's the last uh, option to, to fix your infection, because we know that, uh, that it can cause serious damage. So, we give a warning, and we say... You know this can can really cause damage as well, but but it's it's a risk we're going to have to take because it's the only medication that's going to work for you, and that kind of uh, that kind of warning should be associated with the the complex downstream effects that can come from creating a new healthcare law, you know, because healthcare laws also. M- a mess with a complex system and there's going to be there's going to be downstream effects that uh, that are not good as well as those that that you're hoping will help
1: uh, for example Obamacare or or the like of uh, you know tr- <laughs> keeping your premium the same or reducing your premium and so forth sometimes the outcomes are not what is promised uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions such an interesting <laughs> conversation Dr. Kendrick Johnson again uh, the website is arcfamily.com Arc family healthcare.
4: arcfamilyhealth.com
1: arcfamilyhealth.com Dr. Kendrick, found the conversation so interesting thank you so much for joining us
4: thank you, have a good day
1: you as well, thank you alright, coming up we're going to be visiting with Jim Roberts from the Heritage Foundation, we're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692 692- 9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win Win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the
0: Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Jim Roberts. He's uh, with the Heritage Foundation. Jim, thank you so much for joining us
5: hey Bob thanks for having me on this morning
1: my pleasure indeed uh Jim uh, the uh, president's administration sent uh, a delegation down to Mexico to visit with the President of Mexico and his people about the border crisis to kind of in search for root causes of poverty in Central America and so forth uh, mm-hmm. does the uh, does this administration have its uh, eye on the right uh, issues
5: well not from our point of view and uh, as you said you're vision of your station is uh, limited government and rule of law. And that's exactly what the current administration would like to go in the opposite direction of. And that's in fact, part of our index of economic freedom that we do every year is to measure countries' commitment to rule of law. And, uh, and certainly the U S government has, uh, basically stopped enforcing the law at the Southern border. And because they were getting so many visuals of masses of people, uh, both in detention and also waiting to to come in, I think that it appears that they enlisted the help of the Mexican army to go in and clear people out on the Mexican side, so that they could have some photo ops with the Secretary of Homeland Security at Mayorkas, uh, where there were no there weren't anybody there at all. What's the big problem? You know, that's. That appears to be one of their objectives in uh, going down to Mexico.
1: That is so interesting. So, uh, do you think that'll curb the inflow of, we had what, I think 170,000 or a couple hundred thousand people come in in the last month, Uh, what -hmm. do you think that'll curb that flow?
5: I do not. I I don't think that's the intention of this administration. I think their intention is to open the border as wide as they can, but um, lax enforcement of our immigration laws and by tying up the border patrol in duties of taking care of the illegal aliens who are already here rather than having the border patrol out there stopping more people from coming in. I think that the, this administration would like to admit uh, several million illegal aliens <clears throat> across the southern border thing and, um, and then disperse them. Use, working with left-wing NGOs, they're dispersing these um, thousands and thousands of people to uh, strategic places around the United States. I think that they just wanted to clear the border for a a little while. um, For the photo op, and you might remember the last administration uh, basically had to threaten Mexico to get their army to help the United States by stopping people, you know, 50, 100 miles away from the border. And they did that. The Mexican army did that. Um, But now, it appears they have a very left-wing president of Mexico who is corrupt and building central power, um, and it just appears that they're working hand in glove with this current administration to to help them achieve their goal. And right. Part of the the reason I wrote the paper about root causes was to explain another you know, part of that story.
1: It's uh, thank you so much for being so direct about the issue because it seems to me this is all on purpose. You know, bringing people in, putting them on comfort buses and planes and so forth, shipping around to different places in the United States, giving them packets of money. Uh, What a a drain this is going to be on our society. And as I understand it, a third of them or more have COVID, for crying out loud, and yet they're expecting us us to be wearing masks. Yeah,
5: talk about hypocrisy. Um, Yeah, it does seem to be their objective uh, for their own reasons. I think probably in part to get them on voter rolls as soon as possible. Um, And that's part of this amnesty issue in the current legislation on the Hill. But uh, it is, it's a a sad day because it has real impacts on American workers. uh, It it drives down real wages for American workers to have uh, masses of people who are illegal and who can be then therefore exploited and manipulated by employers in this country and paid less than minimum wage and uh, and have no benefits um, and then the American workers suffer because they're out, out of work because they have to get a higher wage and benefits to support their families so yeah it's a, a very sad uh, combination of events
1: and the American workers dealing with inflation so that uh, whatever raise meager raise them, they might uh, get it's all eaten up by the higher prices of goods.
5: That's right. And that's another in, intentional um, outcome of the policies of the Biden administration is to, they're going to spend, they will have spent uh, $13 trillion, including the last administration in, in, a, in a year, or this year, maybe $13 trillion uh, more than we've taken in taxes, basically. Um, and that is just uh, destroying the dollar and prices like real estate and, and everywhere, everywhere you look are, are going up because the dollar is worthless. It takes more of them to buy goods. Uh, Deb, the real wages of the American workers only started to improve under the Trump administration. They had been depressed for decades, actually, mm-hmm. until, um, in part until the inflation was held in check and the border was secure.
1: So uh, Greg Abbott has uh, taken a stand and uh, said that he wants to, number one, prevent uh, uh, illegal aliens from being transported across the United States and also to take a stand on and, and trying to blockade the border. How's that working and uh, what do you think of it?
5: Well, I think it's a bold approach. I think he's only talking about stopping uh, busloads of illegal aliens in the state of Texas, but I think he has support he has the support of governor Ron DeSantis in Florida Who was offered to send Florida state troopers to help? I Don't know in, in particular how their plan is being executed at the moment I know they certainly have the right intention of protecting our country uh, And I know that they're being threatened by the Biden administration's justice department uh, with lawsuits and I uh, and so, but th- that's the basic idea is that they are having to uh, use the sh- resources of their states to protect the entire country from this policy of opening the southern border.
1: It's just amazing stuff. I just can't even believe this is happening. Uh, you know, the optics are so bad. And, and so what you're saying is that uh, this is an intention just to be able to get a photo op to be, make, let people know that things aren't as bad. But you see these people in, ca- in, the, in cages, really. Just mm-hmm. piled on top of each other. I mean, it's the the indecency, the entire treatment of these people is just unbelievable, and yet uh, uh, it, it persists, and I'm sure it will continue to persist.
5: Yeah, and this is the image that this this administration is sending to the world. And by the way, these um, millions of what are going to be millions of people coming across, and it will include many, many people from far, far beyond Central America. Um, yeah. Haiti, uh, Africa, all, all over the world, They're, the word is out, get yourself to Guatemala and come up through Mexico and just walk across. So um, this is, not, notwithstanding the needs of these people and the suffering they've had, and they, they have suffered and under very bad governments, but this is the rule of law of the United States, and our whole society is is built around the rule of law. No man, no administration is above the, above the law, and it's making a mockery of that, man. and that's tragic, because you're seeing it in domestic politics all over the place, too, where they're just imposing state power where they really have no constitutional right to do it.
1: They are. I mean, the interfering right now, attempts to interfere with the audits, which I, I'm really encouraged by what's going on on that front, uh, irrespective of the politics and who's president, uh, just to be able to be sure that we can trust the fact that our elections are free and clear. But uh, right now, there's been a lot of fraud and corruption, and we need to get that turned around as well. That's right. Yeah. Again, uh, Jim Roberts with the Heritage Foundation. Jim, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. I want to make just a couple of comments about uh, Mike Lindell. You may be aware that he was attacked at his hotel uh, going back after yesterday's, uh, or the day before yesterday, the uh, the uh, session. Uh, the session has been fantastic. It was different than I anticipated, but it was really amazing. And I'm talking about the cyber-syntheticism. Cyber Symposium held in uh, South Dakota. Really, an outstanding event. Mike Lindell has unimaginable energy, and he's poured millions and millions of dollars into this effort. What was encouraging is to see the the, all fifty states. Fifty states were represented at the symposium, and state representatives and senators uh, stood up and said that you know my plan. They they formed a, a election integrity caucus, is what they called it, I believe. And uh, what they're going to do is they're going to basically go to their states and make sure that they put into place uh, methods and means in order to make sure that uh, elections are free and uh, open and they have integrity, which is a good thing. And that could include some more audits around the United States. I think the sentiment of a lot of people, and including me, is that we should have an audit of what happened in the elections in every state in the United States. Uh, Mike Lindell showed information that uh, based on what he's captured in his packets uh, is that uh, for example, in Florida, uh, President Trump eked out a uh, win in Florida, but actually there was nearly over a million votes more for Trump than for uh, Gillum at the time. So uh, he, clearly the, there were there was cheating in almost every state. And he also uh, demonstrated the fact that the Chinese Communist Party was behind the steel, and uh, we certainly need to correct that as well. So that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, I should say Monday, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Larry Reed will be joining us. He's the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day and weekend